Hello and welcome to Remotely Working, the podcast where we discuss productivity, intentional living, health, and leadership for remote workers with the goal of helping you integrate your life and work well. My name is Justin DeRose, your host and the founder of Effective Remote Work. Today's guest is Leon Vanderlaan. Leon is CEO and co-founder of a new venture called Remode, which is a consulting firm helping remote companies start up and found their values and figure out a way to transition remotely. What's unique, I think, about Leon's perspective, and you'll hear that in today's interview, is that Leon also has a background of nearly 20 years in executive leadership of large corporations plus a number of years in management consulting. I think Leon will bring an interesting perspective to the conversation around remote work and culture, which is incredibly important when you're crafting a remote company. Let's dive into the conversation. Leon, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? Hi, Justin. Well, well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. That's wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I'm, uh, I'm an ex-corporate, an ex-corporate tiger, I like to call myself, because career building was really my, my passion back in the days. And um, I, uh, I have always been like a remote advocate in a way. And um, remote, I've been promoting remote work uh, quite often during my time in the corporate. Uh, because what I find so exciting about uh, remote work is that uh, what people don't realize yet is like, this is the beginning of a revolution, really. And being part of that is just really what excites me. So, yeah, seeing the remote trend starting already years ago, uh, even before this whole lockdown thing, um, I just couldn't get it landed in the company where I was working. And it kind of contributed to my decision to go away from the corporate because, um, yeah, my question, the questions that I they gave them were like, why are we need, not going remote with our teams? Uh, they were like, yeah, we're not sure. Sure. So can you can you actually, I want to dive into that for just a second, because I think that's really interesting. I'm sure there are a lot of corporations at this point in time who are considering, or at least looking at going remote. But what were some of the challenges that you ran into at that time? I know it was kind of a different uh, season you know, for remote work, and, and it was kind of a newer idea. Um, but what were some of the challenges you ran into in, in the corporate world at trying to bring teams remote? Yeah, well, the challenges I faced when I was promoting remote work as well, remote work to me is like, it's not the location where you're based. Remote work is much more than just that. It is designing processes in a way that it just resonates much better with human behavior. And um, the challenges I faced mainly was from higher, higher leadership stating that, but if people would work not in the office, they wouldn't perform as well as they would in the office because they would just not do their work and work less. And that's why we accomplished less. So that was the main obstacle when it came to a year or five or seven ago, trying to implement remote work in, in, in my environment. I can totally understand that. Um, I actually used to work in it, not as big of a corporation as, as you did, but it was a medium-sized business in uh, the state of Minnesota here. And for a while, they were really okay with people working from home and being a little bit more flexible. It was still very much an eight to five 
situation where you showed up, you clocked in at eight, you left at five o'clock in the evening. So there wasn't the flexibility there, but there was some location flexibility. But then they started to pull back on that for those exact reasons. Well, we can't prove productivity. We, in fact, think that people are being less productive from home. They're slacking off. We don't have a way to keep them accountable. And I mean, I understand some of the reasonings for that, but in remote work, I mean, and in, in life in general, sometimes you have to extend trust. And that actually le- that leads me to an interesting question. So with your varied background of corporate leadership and experience as a leader in large companies, uh, what do you think some of the top three qualities a leader in a remote company can exhibit? Yeah, great question. And I think it's evolving as we go. But as I see it right now, what is the number one that's really important for a remote leader is you have to be a strong communicator. Not being in the office space means that there's less less of the traditional human contact. And um, being, a rem- being remotely, leaders need to communicate two important things. There needs to be much stronger communication around what is the vision of a company what are we trying to accomplish here together and the second one is the social communication um what i see happening in companies that i speak to is that um, they focus a lot on communication around the things that need to be done the projects that are important but it lacks the social aspect of it and uh, it's a learn it's it's a it's a learning curve for for most leaders but we need leaders in the remote world who understand that there needs to be also time for this, let's call it the coffee machine chat, um, because the social aspect of it is also what builds trust between people. And that is like the number one uh, quality that a remote leader needs to have, co- strong communicator. I think you hit the nail on the head there, actually. Uh, I Just on that topic alone, as far as uh, building social communication in a company, I just recently sent out a newsletter on that exact same topic because it's very easy when you're working remotely and you don't have face-to-face interaction with your coworkers to just kind of get in a transactional mode where you just communicate with people as you need them to do something instead of hey let's talk let you know how's life going for you how you know it, it, it there's less of that ability to just spontaneously have those connections. And so you have to be more intentional about it when you're working remotely. Now, why do you think, I I know you've talked in the past um, and and you've mentioned to me previously that uh, trust is a big piece of corporate culture. Why do you think trust is important? And do you think it's any more important uh, in building trust as a remote leader? Yes, well, I, I don't think that trust is more important being remotely. But I think it takes more effort to build trust because in the office, we have this tribe feeling, you know, this, where people, they're, they're coming together during lunchtime or at the coffee machine. And what's really happening at the coffee machine and also what you just said, Justin, is like these little talks, they're not really to get knowledge. It's more a way of checking in upon each other. If you're still good with each other, on what terms are we with each other? And I think this is like, this ties into like historical human behavior from when we were in the tribes. And I see the traditional office as a, as a tribe being together in a space. So when you're remotely and that falls away, 
then building trust becomes much bigger effort. It, it, it requires more energy and more effort from the leaders to establish that trust base. And that is important because it it's the basics of psychological safety. And psychological safety have been shown in, in several behavioral studies that is contributing to high performance culture, psychological psychological safety. So trust is at the basis of that. But being remote, that complicates things because we don't have these small contact moments at the coffee machine or or with with your with your leader, even with, with the manager of, of the team, the team lead. And that's why I think it is it's not more important. It's as important as it has always been for humans, but it just takes much more effort being remote. Do you have any strategies that companies can implement to, or even individuals, to be more intentional about building that kind of social connection and communication? Yes. What what needs to be incorporated into the weekly schedule is fun time. Whether it's playing games online together or it's having group calls where you do fun workshops. Um I mean, I've been in a workshop last week with, with one of my customers, and that's a company which is in the recruitment sector, and they have taken the leap of going full remote, f- remote first. At first, the people were very scared there. I could see them really being anxious in the way they asked the questions and of, of going remote. It was a scary thing for them. So together with, a, with, an, with an HR specialist, we, we implemented these like weekly fun workshops where you would get to know each other. So you would go into a Zoom call and then there was a breakout session. And in that breakout session, you would get questions which would reveal a lot about who you are as a person, actually, um, about your private life, but also about maybe some challenges challenges you had on the job and how you solved them. And they were so fun to do. And that was the moment when I felt like it is possible to come close to the traditional office setting where you had this like individual contact more often it is possible remotely but leaders need to really build the organization around there and don't leave this over to people to decide for themselves because then it kind of fades away it has to be an agenda point every single week what do you think about in-person meetups in relation to remote work? Do you think if a company focuses primarily on getting together once or twice a year and doesn't do some of this weekly social stuff, do you think that's enough? Or do you think they need to continue to have uh, you know, weekly or regular social connections as well? I would shoot the latter. Uh, to have this more regular contact um, on a weekly basis as an agenda item um, will make up for those months that you're not together. And I'm not advocating here like we are, we have to create a world where physical contact is, you know, it's not happening anymore. I mean, we are still humans and we love physical, seeing each other in a physical space. And uh, getaways are a great way to to do that. Um, either co-working at a lake together for a week or the question is how often, how often can you really do that? So to complement that strategy, implementing those weekly uh, social gatherings online is is a great way to check in upon each other. How are we together? Who are we in the team? Are we still good? And that's in a team in a team approach. But leaders need also to have much more individual contact with with their people um, because those coffee machine meetings. You know, you could see somebody and you see in what state the person is, um, but. 
that's so tough being online and being on a video that it needs to be more, much more intentional to have also weekly or bi-weekly, whatever fits the schedule of pulse checks to see really where is the person emotionally, where is the person uh, with his mind, where are his, his, his struggles at this moment uh, is really important. I think that's an important point to bring up, actually, because we're so holistic people. I mean, we there's we're not compartmentalized. You know, we can't just keep work in a box and have none of our personal life or our emotions or anything affect that. And sometimes it's really helpful as a leader to recognize, man, this person just had a close family member die. Uh, and so they're affected by that. Their productivity is probably not going to be very high for a couple of weeks or a couple months even, depending on the gravity of that situation or whatever else is going on. But being aware as a leader of how your people are doing, not just productively, but also how they're doing in life is really a big thing. Plus that gives them the ability to realize that you're a person too as a leader. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah absolutely. And that you actually care about them. I mean, that I'm because building that's a huge way to build trust is to say like, hey, I care about you as a person and you as your needs and you more than just the output that you're providing me so that, you know, everything looks all fine and good and productive over here in our department. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that ties also into the qualities of the of the leader that, that you asked in the previous question. That is so important. Leaders need to be even more than before the remote world, a role model. They need to show they have their self-leadership, that they are also vulnerable, and they're also in this remote world, um, understanding that some of the important aspects are falling away. And we have, together, we have to make up for it. So a role model is a, definitely a quality as well that the remote leaders of tomorrow need to have. So one thing we didn't touch on earlier is that you know, you've had this corporate background and you've done some management consulting, but just recently you've launched a new venture that is in helping companies transition or become remote work organizations, and that's called Remote. Can you tell us a little bit about what your new consulting company does and some of the types of things that you are doing or finding uh, in regards to remote work since you started that? Yes, absolutely. So we started in January, uh, pre-COVID, actually. Well, COVID was already around, but um, we, uh, with the co-founder, my co-founder, Erica, uh, we were together working on a customer of mine where I was implementing a growth strategy, which is uh, my specialty. And um, she was all about remote processes. She was part of this digital marketing agency, which grew from like zero to 45 people in like one and a half year, remotely, fully everything remote. So that was a great inspiration for me. And working together on that specific customer, you know, we just felt there was so much synergy. Everything we both said about remote work just matched together. And we said, wow, you are this young, dynamic, fully remote built company. And I come from this large corporate structure. If we combine our forces together and we help companies that are either already remote or want to go remote, but are kind of stuck uh, to know where they have to start. I think we have a great product. And like two months later, uh, COVID hit. And then we picked up the phone and said, it seems we're in business. And then that's how we came together. And now what we do, basically, uh, we help companies to um, set up remote, remote hiring processes. 
because hiring remote talent is uh, is a different process than posting a job ad, having physical interviews, and um, yeah, choose the best candidate. So we help with send, setting up hiring remote A players. The second thing is we help with setting this strong vision, vision, a mission, goals that are in line with that mission and vision, because that's so important to not let your remote people feel like they're you know, they're just ticking off their to-do list from a kitchen table. Now, they, they need to feel that they're contributing to some something larger. So that's like in step in the second thing that we do to help set really strong direction for the companies. And the third thing we, we do is um, we set up these processes, like remote processes, whether it's in Asana. We love Asana, but there's, it can be done in other tools as well, like Monday or Trello, um, because everything can be designed in there. And when you're remote working, standardizing all these processes within one tool is just one step further in having this uh, high-performance um, uh, environment. And then number four, what we do is to help uh, companies understand how to lead their team by values and building this, this trust culture, uh, trust-based culture. And together, those four things, they will give a remote high-performance culture. And... Um, our customers are mainly in the digital field, so they're already remote or at least having a digital product. But why we so love to do it is because we see how remote work, when it's done right, just gives back this, this freedom and joy to everybody in the company who felt stuck being remote. And uh, that's such a joy to, to see uh, in what we do. That's really neat. And I know you, you brought up a point in there and you've said it previously here is that, you know, process is really the key way to develop these remote organizations and become more high performance. Since many remote first companies are people first focused, but still recognizing that process is really important. How do you find balance between having these high quality, high value processes and people without veering too far in one direction or the other, where you're valuing the process and the productivity and the things and the output and the results that come from that over the state and value of the people and you know flexibility and things that people need and the like. How do you find balance in there? Yeah, 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 great question. And uh, there's a question we get a lot actually from our customers as well. But I always say, and this sounds strange, People are processes because when you, when what what happens when a when a project is not delivering, where do you move to? You you move to people, right? You will go to people and get info about why is this project not on spot? Why are we not there where we need to be right now? So the person is always questioned when it comes to work not being delivered, and that is because we. Um, when we don't trust the processes, we move to people. So we we try to manage, or it, that is what happens. Leaders try to manage through people that things get done without questioning the processes. So what I say is let people make their own processes. And um, because people know best how they function best themselves, if if you let as a leader your people to produce the processes and pick pick the processes that work best. And then you have a team of people who are working in their design processes. And you as a leader move from 
being activity focused, being behind people and letting them perform, uh, push them to, to work harder. You moving to outcome based because you have processes that you can trust. So how to balance that is like, if you realize and if you are aware that your people produce outcomes when you let them um, use their own intelligence to um, achieve their results, then the processes will balance itself with with your people. I like that. And it reminds me of the concept of making sure that if you're making decisions or changes in an organization, that you make them at the lowest level possible. So for example, if you're changing how your frontline workers are doing work, involve them in that change process because they're the people who have the knowledge and understanding of how that work is done. They're the ones who can craft that to make it something that's better for them, but also better for the company instead of legislating it from on high just because you think it's there's a better way to do it, even though there might not necessarily be. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, processes are often inflicted on people. Like there's a process manager who draws out all the processes and then it gets implemented and people have to adjust to it. People value much more what they, what they build themselves. And uh, that's go, that goes for everything, but it goes also for processes. I mean, I, lo- I love to decide how I work on my day and, and I have the luxury that I'm a company owner and that I'm working alone, so I can do it. But it counts the same for the people in your, in your, in your team. They also love to decide how will I work. So give people that freedom to design their own processes. Um, and when they are within a set of agreed behavioral guidelines and, you know, they're not breaking any etiquette or they're not breaking the company values, let people really do it by themselves. And the results will be, you will be astounded of the results that you will get. Now, I think we've talked about this a bit through this podcast, but if you could summarize, if there's a company that's looking to begin as a remote company or looking to transition to a more remote first model, what key action items or values do you think they should keep in mind in that process? Yeah, I love that question because this is what we experience a lot when we um, are in the early stages of a potential customer. They are they're doubtful at that stage whether remote is for them and how to, how to go through there. And what is the absolutely first thing that leaders need to do is to listen to all the people. So if, if a company goes remote, first, all people need to be interviewed about, this is what we are planning to do. We are planning to go remote. How is that for you? And you will be astounded how many different answers there will be from people ranging from super excited to almost depression of the idea of going remote. So if you would inf- just inflict it on people, it's almost doomed to, to fail. So the first thing is really to listen to people. The second thing is take it slowly, slowly ramp up. Don't go cold turkey, even though companies needed to do it cold turkey due to the whole lockdown situation. But if you have the choice and to do it again, to do it over, take it slowly. Don't just close the offices from one day to the other. Um, Because every person goes through the transition curve, the the Kubler and Ross transition curve. This is used a lot in change management. And basically, 
going remote with your company is a life event for your company. It's it's such a change for people in the ways of working, in the ways of self-leadership, in the ways of mindset, but also in the ways of managing their own life, maybe with children at home or their spouses, that everyone who experiences this goes through a transition curve and everybody will hit a bottom uh, where they lose their productivity where they would they're not excited about being remote at all and maybe even doubt whether they want to stay in your company but if you understand this transition curve you can also um, anticipate that and understand that it's part of the process of implementing such a profound change in a company and that is three very important things that leaders that that are considering to go remote uh, fully or either partly or remote first, as we call it, right? Yeah, they need to be aware about those three things. You talk about how being aware of, of change and people hitting that, um, that transition curve and having these you know, periods of low productivity. I think that's a really great insight because I even when I switched to the remote company that I work for, even though I had been working remotely for almost 10 years at that point, I, w- I went through that. I, w- I mean, I worked remotely from for a company uh, who was you know based here in in the state of Minnesota where I live, uh, but I was in a you know far off remote office and was working from home. So it was basically working remotely, and then I did some contract work after that before I uh, jumped into the role that I have now as a uh, working for Discourse, a uh, fully remote company. But um, the I even went through that transition curve, you know, where I mean probably six months ago, I was just in the pits. I was like, what am I, you know, what am I doing? You know, and it's because we function differently than I'm used to. We're an asynchronous based organization. Um, so especially so I did, didn't have the kind of regular banter that I'm used to uh, from working with everybody working synchronously at the same time. Uh, the, the interesting thing though, is that, you know, in, in different environments, you know, you're, you have your CEOs and your leaders who are making these decisions and saying, hey, we're going to leave this charge to go remote. But then you also have your middle management and your, your team leads and things that are going to be the ones responsible for helping those people, their employees, transition through those curves. Now, is there anything that upper management leaders or these leaders can do to prepare themselves for helping lead their teams and their people through those transition curves to make it a little bit easier. Yeah, and that is uh, to involve people in the, in the process of creating it. And this also ties in what I said in the previous question when it comes to building processes. The more people feel involved and that their, that their point of view and their ideas are considered to be uh, part of, of the journey, of the, the rem- going remote journey, uh, when people feel involved, they have less of feeling that it's inflicted on them and that they are pushed to go through that transition curve. So this flattens the curve. It doesn't it doesn't change the curve. The curve will be there, but it flattens the curve. If at every stage in this curve, leadership is aware that that they are in a new phase within their curve and that they are involved at that stage in what's going on uh, in the company at that specific moment. So that is um, that is one thing. And the second thing is, especially with going remote, I think leaders need to teach themselves, but also provide 
incentives or possibilities for people to learn self-leadership. Because that's one of the, for, especially for people that have never been working remote before, in an office setting, there are unseen forces which keep the tribe going. It's like peer-to-peer pressure, you could say, in, in a healthy way. Yeah, it's like the social aspect of working in a team, which falls away when you're remotely and you are, let's say, working from home. So providing this uh, learning and development platform for people to learn self-leadership and understand that it's, it's, it is acquiring new habits um, that are suited to the remote working world is a really clever decision for, for leaders to do. To wrap things up today, I'd love to ask you if there is a resource that's impacted you as a leader that you'd like to share with the listeners of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And um, before I give you the the answer, um, I want to explain you why I'm giving this resource. It ties into preparing your team to work as high performers, um, being remotely. It is very important that mm, you you understand the tr- the strengths of your remote team, and then I'm I'm pointing at the individual strengths of a person. Because when you're sitting in an office and you have this benefits of being together as a tribe, as, as, a, as a team, and you have all the physical aspects, then doing, doing tasks and doing uh, responsibilities which are slightly n- uh, not aligned with what you're naturally strong at, it's, it's a good bargain. But when that falls away and you're sitting at home and you also have to do work that is not directly in line with where you are strong at, it works demotivating. It um, doesn't define criteria to um, measure success of the individual. So what I really recommend to every individual that's listening, but also to the leaders that are listening, perform a, a Clifton test, the Strength Finder test from the Gallup Institute to understand what is my team strong at. And that will also reveal um, on an earlier stage, which people might struggle in your remote setting because people who have less of natural strengths in like discipline and um, responsibility, this comes less natural to them. They might struggle more working remotely. So at an early stage, understanding your team's strengths is a really great uh, thing to do. And that's also my personal resource to go to for myself, but also for the people that I help to understand themselves first before helping others. I love StrengthsFinder, actually. I took that test a few years back and it's been uh, really helpful for me to understand myself and and what I'm good at. Uh, Yeah, I loved it. Oh, great. What was your number one? Uh, Input. Input. Ah, that's great. That one is low at my list. I have strategic thinking at number one. I can can see that. La- the very last thing here today, uh, Leon, where can people find you and your new venture, Remote? Well, the absolute best thing is just to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm most active on LinkedIn, and um, that's where I talk with people. That's where I put content out around remote work uh, weekly, multiple days. So that is, for me, the absolute best place to connect with people. 
Wonderful. Thanks, Leon, for joining us on today's episode. If you're interested in connecting with Leon on LinkedIn, I'll be sure to have a link in the show notes where you can do that. I hope you found this discussion helpful. If you did, be sure to send us an email at hello at effectiveremotework.com. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode and if there are any specific topics or guests you would like to see in the future. That closes out today's episode of Remotely Working. Check out remotelyworking.net to subscribe. Give us feedback by emailing us at hello at effectiveremotework.com. For more free resources designed for remote workers, head over to effectiveremotework.com. My name is Justin DeRose and this has been Remotely Working.